And they wish 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 on me. Yeah. I've been moving calm, don't start no trouble with me. Trying to keep it peaceful is a struggle for me. Don't pull up at 6 a.m. to cuddle with me. You know how I like it when you loving on me. I don't wanna die for them to miss me. Yes, I see the things that they wishing on me. Hope I got some brothers that outlive me. They don't tell the story. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode number 14 of From the Red Corner, your weekly MMA podcast brought to you by thetailgate.com. Again, I'm trying to get my fucking website back up and running. Because I got locked out. Don't fucking know why. Can't figure it out. This week I got an awesome interview with UFC Bantamweight Raquel Pennington. We went about 45 minutes. I could have talked to her for longer. She was incredible. Thanks to her, like, she didn't have to be on the podcast, but she did. She's got over 100,000 Instagram followers. She didn't have to, like, go on this little shit podcast. She did. She was incredible. Um, It was an awesome interview. She talks everything. Great interview. One of my favorite interviews. In my opinion, probably the biggest guest I've ever had on here. Sorry, Eddie George. You're my boy, but still. Um, I'm going to break down UFC 270 this week, and after I'm going to play you the Raquel Pennington interview, and then I'm going to talk some UFC news. So let's get down to the breakdown of UFC 270. Like, um, We'll start on the, 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 the undercards. Nothing crazy. I don't know, like Matt Frivola with a big comeback win, TKO for Gennaro Valdez. Huge win for him after that terrible loss to Terrence McKinney. And that's not a knock on Terrence McKinney. Terrence McKinney is awesome, and I think he's going to be a star in the sport. But, I mean, he lost in, I think, 13 seconds to McKinney, and that's a tough loss, dude. Matt Frivola is a fucking dog. Long Island boy with those the Weidman clan, all of the Matt Sarahs, BJJ. That's, I'm pretty sure he trains out of Matt Sarah's gym. He's awesome. And I think he he's just, I don't think you'll ever see him win a title, but I think he's going to be a dog. Like He's going to be a guy who comes in to fight every fucking night. You know? Um, that, to me, that's one of the only few things that stood out on the undercard. I mean... Eight fighters, I think, or 11 fighters made their UFC debut. That's a lot. Nothing crazy happened, but let's move to the main card. We had Syed Nurmagomedov, Guillotine Choke, Cody Stamen, 47 seconds. Well, I mean, what the fuck more can I say? You know what I mean? He's a Nurmagomedov. We're going to talk about Khabib after the Raquel Pennington interview, too. He He said kind of some douchey things about women's MMA. Well, like I said, we'll get to that. Sidener Magomedov, stud. Absolute fucking stud at Bantamweight. Uh, does he fight at Bantamweight or Featherweight? I can't remember. Give me one second. Yeah, he's a Bantamweight. I'm sorry. Cody Stamen's no fucking joke, dude. Yes, he did lose to... Uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this name. Hanoi. Haranoi Barcelos. I probably butchered the fuck out of that name. That was his only loss in the UFC from what I can find. Yeah. He's uh, 4-1 and one in the UFC. He could make a play at Bantamweight sooner rather than later. Uh, like I said, he's an Ramagamadov dude. He's just that guy. He'll uh, wrestle the fuck out of you, punch you in the face, and then take you down, and you're not getting up, you know? Uh, sorry, I was looking at my phone. I get distracted a lot. Kind of what happens. Um, it was a good... I don't know. It was an okay fight card. It wasn't something... 
it wasn't something to like like tell your friends about, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, dude, did you see the fucking UFC 270? It's okay. I thought the co-main for me was the best fight of the fucking night. In all honesty, uh, it was incredible. Again, those guys, I could watch them fight all day. Moreno and Figueredo, we're going to get to that. Michelle Pajeda with a uh, unanimous decision win over Andre Fialo. You know, I'm personally not the fig big biggest, biggest fan of Michelle Pajeda. He's just whatever. Like, I think he acts like a clown in the cage, I think. He does all these fucking cartwheels and she and he, he's a fucking awesome fighter, dude. Like, he, he's a fucking really good fighter. He's not just like a fucking goof who just fucking spins around the cage and like doesn't do anything. Like, he can throw hands. He's a good BJJ guy. He's a great striker. I think Michelle Pajeda. I, I don't know. I guess he might be someone to watch out for. He's not. I don't think he's like climbing the ranks you know what i mean like he's a hell of a fighter in the welterweight division i mean who fucking knows maybe he can get a title fight at some point because of the fact usman's about to lap that whole fucking division as soon as he beats leon edwards again and Pajeda's still young dude 28 years old um you know who the fuck knows who knows he uh his last loss was in 2019 against tristan Connolly. i think pretty sure that's a fight all he did was like dick around basically and that's what i mean like you do shit like that you get fucking caught not to say he got knocked out he's just you know it's, it's whatever like sometimes you fuck around and you get caught he did get pieced up in that fight pretty good Connolly really dominated him on the ground um i don't know that's oh, let's get to it let's get to the meat of it you know what i mean We'll talk about the uh, co-main event, Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno, the champ, flyweight championship. Figueredo edges out um, Moreno, unanimous decision. I think what really killed Moreno, in all honesty, was the knockdowns. I thought Moreno, his power was affecting Figueredo more. I think Moreno land, landed the cleaner shots. I think if those knockdowns didn't happen, I don't think it's crazy to say if that fight was going the way it was, Moreno would have won by UD. Um, it was a hell of a fight. I can watch those two fucking go all day. I think the addition of Cejudo into this rivalry is just something I don't give a shit about, to be honest with you. I think Cejudo's an awesome fighter, but he's a fucking cornball. I don't care that he helped um, <clears throat> Joseph Benavidez in their fight. Uh, uh, in uh, Cejudo's fight versus Benavidez, I don't give a shit. I don't think you needed to spark anything. I don't think Cejudo needed to talk. I don't think... And I, I fucking cannot stand Figueredo and Cejudo's coach, Eric Alblarstein. I think he's a fucking tool. I don't know, just something about him. I think he's a great coach. I think he's just a dink. I think he's a fucking turd. I think he's a tool bag. His little fucking white glasses. I think he's a cornball, dude, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I think they go again, to be honest with you, with uh, <clears throat> Oscar Askarov and uh, Kaikara France already scheduled to fight. The only thing I can think is that could be a number one contender fight for Figueredo. But I think you got to do the fourth fight, which I think it might be the first time ever. Two dudes have fought him four times in the UFC. But if anything calls for it, this is it. 
Their record is 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Moreno with the only clear-cut win, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I've said you know what I'm saying like 55 times, and I'll stop that right now. Um, Moreno's a beast, dude, and he's a great story. I think he's a champ the UFC can get behind with the Mexican crowd especially. That place was fucking rocking in Anaheim for him. That place sounded like he was fighting in Tijuana. That's how fucking loud that place was when he came out. I, I think Moreno is a great fighter. I think Figueredo's a great fighter. Hopefully this revitalizes the flyweight division with Kaikara France, who just knocked out Cody Garbrandt. I don't know where like a guy like Cody Garbrandt goes from here. But I think the fourth fight's the fight to make. New champ, Davison Figueredo. Congratulations to him. Hard-fought fight. He, I mean, obviously he's got power in his hands, but I thought Moreno showed more power, and his power was... I, I don't really know the word to say. His power was more defined in the fight. It caused more damage, even though, yeah, I know it's stupid to say because Figueredo had, what was it, two or three knockdowns, I think, but... Congrats to the new champ, man. Run it back the fourth time and end it all. Like, end this whole fucking thing. You know, and that's what you got to do. Let's go to the main event. Francis Ngannou retains his title over Cyril Gan, handing Cyril Gan his only loss of his career. Gone 10-1 now. Ngannou lost the first two rounds. Let's be real with ourselves. But uh, apparently he tore his MCL. He, like, strained his ACL. He fucked his knee up. <laughs> He lost the first two rounds. I, there's no question in my mind he did. And then we saw Francis Ngannou wrestle, which we didn't think we'd ever fucking see. And I, I think a lot of people said it, and I'll re reiterate it. The You want to call it boring, you're not a fight fan. Because to me, I was watching that fight like, holy shit, dude. When he caught that kick on Ngannou and then slammed him, and he dominated the ground. He dominated the ground. Cyril Gaon had no answer for Francis Ngannou's ground game, which to me just kind of showed, wow, this fight wasn't boring. It's just, man, Francis is a lot bigger problem than people thought. Not to say nobody ever thought he was a fucking problem, because obviously, look at the guy. He's made out of fucking granite. But Francis Ngannou, using his wrestling to win that fight, showed me right now he's probably the best heavyweight in the world. Because he showed he can knock you into fucking Mars, or he can grapple you, which is a scary thing to have, like a six foot six, two hundred sixty-five pound man built out of brawn and steel. Anchorman reference, enjoy that. Um, on top of you grappling you, fuck that shit. I no thank you. Not in a million fucking years. Not a chance. I just realized I've been recording this on the wrong fucking microphone the entire goddamn time. Let me switch over to my good one. And there we go. Hopefully that sounds a little bit better. Um, a little bit clearer. Sorry about that, guys. Fucked up. That's what I do. I fuck up sometimes. But, hey, what are you going to do? It's only 10 fucking minutes of your life, so you'll never get back. But whatever, man. Like, fuck. Let's let's move on. I thought I thought we were in the past. Let's put the past in the past. Francis Ngannou is a fucking beast, though, dude. I hope he re-signs with the UFC. I think that's the best place for him. <coughs> Excuse me. Right now, you don't. I, I, I'd like to see him box, but they're talking Fury. Fury will piece him up. Fury will piece him up. Could Fury connect on someone? I think he could connect on a guy like Wilder, I think. 
Because Wilder likes to do the street fight, like just start throwing hands, you know what I mean? It gets a little wilder with it. Ha. Um. Anyways, I suck. Anyways, that's it for UFC 270. Not the most fucking eventful fight. But, like I said, Francis Ngannou, don't dog that guy, man, because he didn't knock a guy out. Like, he showed us how fucking well-rounded he is and how scary he is. The fact that he could, he could take you out any way he fucking wants, let's be honest with you. Any way he wants. But right now, let's kick it to Raquel Pennington. Again, awesome, awesome interview. She was so candid, so off the cuff, so nice, so polite. Just a good fucking human being, which we need more of in this world, and especially this sport. This interview is brought to you by Dano Seasonings. Dano Seasonings, you can get it in spicy, original, or hot chipotle. Try it now. Go to danoseasonings.com. Use the code TAILGATE. Tell them we sent you. Put that shit on steak, chicken, shrimp, vegetables. You put them on your eggs. I always put them on my eggs like when I make eggs in the morning. That's danoseasonings.com. Tell them the TAILGATE sent you. Now, UFC Bantamweight Formal t- former title contender, challenger, Raquel Pennington. Three. All right. I got 13 and eight. Three fight win streak, Raquel Pennington. She's coming off a big win over Macy Chase on. What's going on, Raquel? Not much. Just uh, hanging out. Got a little snowstorm coming through Colorado, so it's kind of ruined my day. Trapped yeah. me in the house, so I'm a little bored. We were supposed, <laughs> to, get, we were supposed to get one, but I don't think it's going to hit us here in New York. Um, I guess a former Bantamweight title contender, challenger, actually. Sorry, I'm off today. Um, that fight was crazy. I guess we'll start there, which you probably start every interview with. Can you please explain to me and everyone the corner situation that night? Um, so, I mean, my corners are somebody that it's just not somebody you pick, you know, um, per fight. Uh, we build a relationship and we build that trust and everything. And my coaches know me the best. Um, they know me as an individual and then they know me as an athlete. And, you know, I went into that fight. I was coming off of an 18 month layoff, three major surgeries. Um, and then we were originally supposed to fight in December and we had to push it back to May because I ended up with a broken leg and a lot of nerve damage. So when the fight initially started within the first minute of the first round, Amanda kicked my calf and it was the exact spot that I had the nerve damage in. Um, I personally have never experienced a feeling like that. You know, I've gone through a fight where I fought with broken bones. I've had a broken hand, stitches, whatever else. Like I've never felt pain to that degree. And it actually almost felt worse than when I initially broke my leg. Um, so I fell and I was like, oh, this ain't good. And I remember trying to stand back up and I stood up and she kicked it a second time. And I went into like this whole defense mode. Well, throughout the fight, it just kept progressively getting worse. Like I couldn't focus on what I was actually trying to do. I was in so much pain and it was going up into my hip. And, um, so finally, you know, in between rounds, it took everything I had to get up off that stool each and every time. And, um, getting ready to go into the fifth round. That's when I told my coaches, I just looked at them cause it was just, it was on fire. And I was just like, I don't want to fight no more. Um, but that was me just kind of like mentally breaking and stuff. I mean, Obviously, like, there's a fine line of being smart in the sport. But in reality, like, I have control in there. So if I wanted out of there, I could have took myself out of there. Um, my coaches looked at me. And within those moments that we, like, shared that stare, they were just like, don't give up on yourself, blah, blah, blah. Because they knew that at the end of the day, like, if I just kind of give up on myself, I would be more frustrated than anything. Um, and so I don't blame my coaches for anything that night. You know, they 
they questioned when we were at the emergency room, they were just like, do we do the right thing? And the same thing that I tell everybody else, you know, I have that control. Um, I can appreciate them for not letting me give up on myself uh, in that moment because of just all the emotions and stuff. So that's what went on and people blew it out of proportion and took it to this whole level. And, you know, my coaches were getting death threats and they were getting, families were getting threatened and it was absolutely out of control. That's crazy. We've seen it before too, or after, I guess. I can't remember the kid's name. It happened pretty recently. It was his first fight in the UFC. I can't remember his name. He just said, I'm done. The one that I'm had done. like the green hair? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Chris, that kid was an animal. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's see. I guess we'll start at the beginning. What You've been doing this forever, right? I read up since you were like 19. Yeah, it's been like 14, 13, 14 years. I can't so do math. You just said, I'm going to be an MMA fighter? No, it was honestly a joke. Um, <laughs> That's like I the third my, time I've heard that. Yeah, I broke my back um, snowboarding. I didn't take any of my athletic scholarships to college. Uh, I was just kind of going through rehab and trying to get back in shape. My mom and I were at the gym one night, and the first team I initially started with, they were in like one of the yoga studios on those little quarter and puzzle mats. They were doing judo, and it just looked really intense. Um, there was a point in my life, like I was 13. <laughs> I grew up being a huge tomboy, like the only girl with all these guy cousins and a brother. And they called me like Rackle McDaniel in the neighborhood because I just was always hanging with the guys. And um, there was a point that I wanted a box. My parents were like, no, you're too pretty and your teeth are too nice. That's not happening. And then that was the end of that conversation. So then now it was just that's where the joke came from, because I was just watching them. And uh, I looked at my mom and I was like, I think I'm gonna go do that. And I think she just honestly thought it would be something good to get me motivated again. So we went in, we talked to the coach. Um, he like gave me the schedule and he's like, Oh, come in tomorrow night. My first training session ever in MMA was sparring. They hand me, they handed me uh, some wraps and some gloves. I had no clue what I was doing, but I was like, all right. And then I just like, I'm addicted to challenges. So, I mean, MMA brings every challenge that you can think of. And so when I got in there, I kind of just fell in love with it. Um, fought my first fight four months in and realized I was pretty good at it. And now here I am. I saw, I looked up that you broke your back. What sports were you playing for college? Um, so I had basketball scholarships and some softball scholarships. Where? My, my goal in life was to always just be a WNBA player. Like I like wanted to just be, I was that little girl that like, I went to all the USA games. I went to like all the nuggets games here in Colorado and like, you know, it was always competitive. And then, my, I got recruited at the age of 13 um, onto a 17, 18 year old traveling basketball team. So I was just like always doing big things with basketball. And then uh, I was a big time pitcher. And that's where I think that's actually where, well, I don't think that's where I started having my shoulder issues. But in high school, like my high school um, athletic director, they pretty much my first two class periods were physical therapy. They sent me to a physical therapist. Cause I was just like an all-star little athlete and I was trying to rehab my shoulder. And then, uh, I don't know, as my career progressed now, just cracking stuff, it was getting more intense and I was hitting even harder and harder. And then before, uh, my fight with Misha, um, two weeks before the fight, I ended up fully, fully tearing my right shoulder. So I went into that fight with the torn shoulder. It was fun. Do you ever go into a fight hundred percent? Uh, I no. I think, uh, honestly, well, I won't say that my last two fights now, I've definitely been a hundred percent in just every aspect for a while. No, like I was all over the board. And I mean, 
I think you could pretty much ask any athlete that question. They're right. going to be like, eh, not really. <laughs> um, now, can I ask you a question? Because I can't find an answer anywhere. Are you guys married or are you engaged? We're engaged. We're too... Life has been so busy between either like me recovering from all these surgeries and then trying to get back into it, having a broken leg and then getting back into it. Um, her having fight after fight and then just life hitting in general. So it's just been, it's been a uh, lifelong engagement right now. Fight after fight, tiny tornadoes just getting ripped up doing body competitions. Yeah, she did do that. Um, that was interesting to watch, but you know, it was pretty cool because Tisha's the type that she like has always been able to lay in bed and she can just eat crap and she'll wake up the next day with a deeper six pack. And, um, it was always so frustrating. And then she just like, once we started dating, I got her to, cause I mean, honestly, like you can talk to Tisha and she would eat like strawberry shortcake for breakfast. She would eat strawberry shortcake for dinner. Like she's always eating donuts. She always had something going on, chocolate in between everything, gummy bears. And, um, uh, I was just like, how are you surviving? Like you are so lean on the outside, but I'm pretty sure your organs are just covered in the most ridiculous, like fat, like that's where it's at. And so once we started dating, she got into like, actually like, you know, cooking meals and learning vegetables and doing everything. So to actually see her level of discipline with that competition was really, it was really cool to watch her. Cause I mean, she was sitting here measuring out food, doing all kinds of stuff that normally I have to do. And then when the roles flipped, I was like, Oh, let's see. Let's see how hard this is for you. But she did really good at it. I was going to say, it looks like she dominated it. So she did. She got ripped there. I will say, though, I'm so motivated to go watch like some sumo wrestling or something because I am so sick of seeing muscles. Those shows were so it was just like we got there at like I think it was eight o'clock in the morning and was there until like 1130 at night, just in the same routine of just muscles and muscles and muscles. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I see you trying to show her up though on Instagram showing you ripped up too. No, <laughs> no, <Just laughs> feeling better about myself with things. Cause I had a rough go there for a while when, uh, when my thyroid hit yeah. me, like I've never experienced that. So then all of a sudden being super in tune with your body and then not being in tune with your body and shooting up to the heaviest weight I've ever been. Like it's nice to actually see some definition back and to actually feel healthy again. Right now. Is that why I was reading an article? It said you came into one camp at like 170. Yeah. 174. Is that what happened? Yeah. It's when I was fighting, uh, Jermaine. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't even know. Like I had plenty of time in that camp. Um, and I was literally like our main focus in camp was trying to get the weight up, but it didn't matter. I was in and out of the doctors trying to get thyroid medication figured out um, to see if it would help with anything. And like legit, nothing was happening. Like I'm in the middle of camp and my weight is going up and it was super frustrating. So it was just like, no matter what I did, nutrition wise, whatever. And then, uh, yeah, that week of the fight, like it didn't help either. Cause it was just like, I was supposed to be at media day that Thursday um, I finally got my body down to like 157, I think fight week, which like normally that's what I start camp at. Right. And so I got down to that. And then that Thursday I was supposed to be at media day and I woke up with a double ear infection. And so I was at the ear, nose and throat specialist and they're wanting to put me on steroids. And so it was just like, I had an infection going on, my weight's out of control. And then when I attempted to cut weight, like I can't even like, I barely remember that entire fight week, but 
my body shut down on me. I remember they took me to the weigh-ins and I was in the back and I was like, cause I've always believed in being super professional and just, you know, I mean, not only here, but like just growing up and being an athlete, like the discipline. And so, uh, when I knew I was missing weight, like I remember trying to cry, but like my body couldn't even react. And then they had to like, just help me out on the scale. And it was, uh, it was a rough go after that is when I was like, all right, I need to like really figure my health out before this gets really, really out of control. That's crazy. And now I kind of want to stand missing weight. Cause I want to get your opinion. What do you, th- I don't know if you've even paid attention to it. What do you think of the Aspen lad Misha Tate shit talk going on? You know, everybody has their opinion and stuff about when it comes to it. I honestly like, like, what is her point across that? Because of Aspen with the towel and everything else. Like, I don't know. At the end of the day, the way that I see it and like, even with me was missing weight, like that wore on my soul going into the fight that night. Like I felt terrible that I wasn't professional. So like, the way that I see it, like, it doesn't even matter. This whole, you cheated, you did this, you did that, whatever. Like, at the end of the day, like, um, she missed weight. Like, it doesn't even matter where we got two jobs. We have to be, you know, for one, go out and make weight. For two, go out and perform. Like, those are our jobs. So instead of just kind of, like, going back and forth, talking all this crap or, like, pinpointing, like, things that you feel, like, that's how it went. Like, it is what it is. She was already unprofessional. She missed the weight, and that's on her shoulders. Right. But I don't know. I feel like with Misha, like everybody loves it these days. They love the hype. They love the crap talking. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. I got and a I feel like she just like came back full force. You know what I mean? She's come back full force in here after five years and she just keeps yapping it up with everything. Mm-hmm. So whatever. Well, I see. I was talking about to somebody about that. I guess my opinion is I heard her on the Hawani show. She said, like, people are pissed because she's calling it as she sees it. She doesn't have to say anything, though. She doesn't even have to make a comment on the situation. Yeah. It, I don't know. Everybody just kind of feeds off of each other. That's social media for you. Like, there's just, it's always something, you know? And at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, when it comes to that situation, like, yeah, call it how it is or whatever. But then there's some situations that, like, you don't even need to butt into anything. Like, right. mind your own business. Do what you're trying to do. Focus on your your own stuff and so it's just like i don't know i watch it at the end of the day like i just i really don't care (laughs) i like that speaking of shit talk i want to bring up a guy that you probably still don't like that you said you wanted to slap before you Mm. have different thoughts on colby covington now not really i mean it's not even that i had these crazy thoughts about him like i he was irritating me because it's just like I, for one, personally, like, I believe in being confident, but there's a fine line in going to that cockiness. And, like, I just, I don't know. When you forget where you came from and you start acting a certain way, like, it just, it makes me want to slap somebody. Like, I just, I wasn't raised that way. And it is it wrong, like, to each their own? No. But, like, I had to sit next to this dude. It's the first time, honestly, that, like, I really paid attention to who he even was. Um, and we're sitting next to each other in the press conference and like, legit, he had his phone out with like his little notes for yeah. his crap talking. And it was just like, all right, dude. And then like, just listening to him, I was just like, this guy's a knucklehead, man. And so like, we had to sit there for, I think it was um, close to an hour. And when you just keep listening to somebody do that same crap or like cut other people off when they're talking and everything else, it was just like, 
all right so then when they took me in the back and they asked me it was just like man I just wanted to slap him like he needed to shut up at some point like it was that that was my only comment and then he started this whole thing and was like call me Ricky Pennington and I was like dude you really think that offends me like my brother's name is Ricky. like come on and then he started dragging Tisha into it and our relationship and I was just like oh golly like you're one of those well, that's why I think the thing with him is he just like hears the line and he steps over it constantly. Like bringing up Usman's father being in jail. Like, I just don't get it. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's some things in the sport, like, sure, if you want to hype up fights and everything else and you feel like that's what you need to do as an individual for your fight and leading up to it and like that's what gets you hyped, go for it. Like, yeah, sure, whatever. But there's the fine line. Like, I don't understand why some of these athletes have to drag in family members or talk crap about family members or very like touchy subjects for individuals. Like I understand where you're trying to get people emotional and everything else, but at the end of the day, like it's a freaking competition. It's not this competition about terrorizing each other's personal lives. And that's where it's just like, I watch some of these guys, you know, and I'm just like, all right, you guys. And the further that they climb, the worse that they get with their mouth. And it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you guys kind of look really stupid when you run your mouth and then you go out there and you get your butt whooped. It's just like, just let the fight do the talking for you. You know what I mean? Well, to me, that's the thing with Colby. It's just like a shtick. And like, I think we've all realized you're a really good fighter. You could probably drop it now. The whole Trump thing's kind of over. Like nobody gives a shit anymore. Absolutely. Like he's a great fighter. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't take that away from him. He's a very great fighter, but it's just like, his actions and just being arrogant, like there's no reason for it. Well, it's funny because I've actually seen like the shtick progress. Like, cause I was going to do a podcast a few years ago when like nobody even knew who he was. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of just like looking on Instagram, like who doesn't have a lot of followers. So I saw him message him said he'd do an interview. And then like, I think literally two weeks later, the whole Brazil thing happened. And then I don't think he's talked to me since. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you get a lot of these athletes too. And it's just, I mean, we all go through our phases in life and stuff, but the thing with pro sports is you get a long, lot of young athletes and all of a sudden it takes that one moment to change their life. And then they start getting all this money and then they start filling themselves in a different place. And, you know, it can be a dangerous area and it's easy for people to lose themselves in it. Well, you um, see a lot of the stars, like and I, you don't need to talk about them, but like McGregor, you got Jones, like, yeah it's just young and you get a lot of money life changes and before you know it like you're just making crazy decisions and it doesn't help when like i mean people are getting in trouble but then they're only getting like a slap on the wrist and so where is anybody really going to learn a lesson there and that's kind of what i've been saying about john jones like yeah he's probably one of the best fighters of all time but when's enough enough correct correct like i said i don't need you to expand on anything because i'm sure you have thoughts yeah no on it's just like i said i mean there's nothing to expand on it's right. just one of those things to where like i just really feel like these guys lose themselves sometimes and you know the competition's there and i mean obviously they love like some people like the hype and everything else and i mean you're gonna have some people who just always ride that coattail because that's what they love and that's how like they feed off of things but there's just some things that are just like really unnecessary i remember i think it was between I want to say Bisbing and Yoel Romero when it came to like the whole like uh, I think it was like where they were from and all this stuff and then their family and then just talking really nasty about the country and 
it it was just taken to a level that was just like for real oh he tore up the flag yeah and it was just like no 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 like there's lines and that's what i'm talking about like talk all your crap do what you need to to each other as individuals and like hyping each other up hyping that fight up but like don't cross into like personal boundaries like that and then they didn't fight and then they didn't fight um you opened up your first professional fight was against kim couture mm-hmm. which i mean the last name's great but i don't think she was the greatest fighter of all time and then you open up your ufc career against roxanne Montefiore. You've literally fought like name after name after name after name. Yeah. Who was your toughest one? And you can't say Amanda. <laughs> um honestly, like it that's a hard question to answer because everybody brings a different challenge to the table. Um, so it's just kind of fight by fight. Um, but you know, every Amanda's done wonderful things. And I mean, she's had a heck of a career and done some phenomenal stuff. Um, but I wouldn't say Amanda. Um, I honestly think like, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, everybody has a different challenge and there's a different toughness. So, I mean, how do you really pick from that? I've, like you said, I mean, I have a resume filled with names and so you know, Aldana was tough. She freaking cracks. Like she hits hard. She's probably one of the fighters that like I've gone against that hits the hardest. And then, um, Andrage, she's a freaking little powerhouse. She can throw. Yeah. So it's just like, there's all these different people. And so it's just hard to be like, Oh, this one specific person was the hardest one. Cause there's different points in each fight that is a tough situation and then whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's all just different individuals and they all have their different strengths and weaknesses. So, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't pinpoint just one. Right. Um, you were on tough. How was mm-hmm. living in the tough house? You know, I am super glad, honestly, that they're bringing it back. Uh, I think it's a experience that a lot of athletes should have. It's just unique. You know, it takes you out of your daily life and it puts you into a situation where you're just completely focusing on yourself. You're pulled out of your completely comfort. So you have no choice but to grow as an athlete or fall. Um, and then, you know, you get to just focus on exactly what you're passionate about. Like you have no contact to the rest of the world. You can't read books. You can't listen to music. You can't watch TV. You can't do anything but interact. So that was extremely challenging. Um, I think another part that was hard for me is the fact that I'm super family oriented and I've always had my family around me getting ready to go into a fight. So the fact that like my first fight in the house was Monday at 1.30 in the afternoon and nobody knew I was getting ready to fight, nor could I have the comfort of my entire family. And I just had to figure out how to really pick myself up. Then on top of that, like I'm having breakfast sitting across the table from my opponent. It's just, it's a really interesting dynamic. Like it really challenges you. And on top of that, like, um, I walk a lot heavier than even being close to 135. So you have to stay disciplined those the entire time that you're in there, because I mean, a fight can occur. And then right after the fight's said and done, they choose the next fight. And if they pick you, you have to be ready to make weight the next day. And so there's a lot of discipline there. And then you have athletes who once they go through the first round, they fight and they know they have some time off. So they enjoy life a little bit. Uh, the house is like Christmas. You just write on a list at night, what you want, and then stuff gets delivered. So you have all these athletes 
who are able to eat different things, do different things, or they're drinking and partying, staying up all night. And like, it's, it's challenging, but it's really, uh, really cool. It's probably good for your mental. Yeah. You know, um, shit. I forgot what I was just going to ask you. I got a list. I'm bad at this. Um, I want to go back. It was it last year you got a six month suspension. Yeah. Can you explain that to me? Like I'm five. <sighs> well, it was really freaking irritating. Mm-hmm. Um, this thyroid issue that I've been battling with, uh, you know, I don't even understand it half of the time. Cause I, one, what pisses me off is you have a lot of athletes who have ruined it for other athletes, just like everything in life. Right. And it's super frustrating. Two, the freaking UFC, all the doctors, and then like they were sitting here following my whole history, trying to get me help with the thyroid. Like we've been trying to figure it out. And so they knew my entire background. They've seen all my blood work, all my medical paperwork and stuff. And then I go see a hormone specialist and the hormone specialist was like, you absolutely do not produce any testosterone whatsoever. You only produce estrogen. So you're extremely estrogen dominant, which is scary. And they started talking about like breast cancer and all this other stuff. And, you know, I was, I already had to go through testing before I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism because they couldn't figure out my thyroid. So they thought I had thyroid cancer. So it's just been like one scare after another. And then when it came down to the hypothyroidism, and then it came down to the fact that I'm estrogen dominant, they were like, we're going to put you on a microdose of testosterone to get your body to hopefully understand naturally that this is what it's supposed to produce. And I was like, listen, I can't take that because of being a pro athlete, um, or a tested athlete. And they were like, listen, you need like, before it even becomes anywhere near performance enhancing or become anything, you need at least 400 plus in the dosage. I was literally on five milligrams. So it was that. And they just were hoping that, well, then they put me on, um, DHEA, which is really irritating because DHEA is not performance enhancing. If anything, it's a fat burner, which most people would take it for. And what, it's going to make me sweat a little bit more. So what, but the other effect of it is it helps increase the activity of the thyroid. And so people don't understand that. So then I was on that. Well, I called, um, UFC to ask for T for the exemption form. And I don't get it because so many athletes that I've talked to, they haven't even, they'll call for their medication or whatever, like guys who are trying to have kids and they're on like fertility hormones and this, that, or another, um, they can't even get approved because it's on this stupid list. So it's like, we can't freaking live our lives and be healthy. So then I was just like, yeah, I need this. And they're like, Oh, that's a banned substance. And I was like, listen, like, here's my whole thing. They interviewed, they talked to the doctor, they interviewed the nurse. They got all my paperwork. Once again, went through the whole process. They came out and tested me. I had a micro dose in my system. Like it was so minute. It wasn't even funny. Well, then they tested me. They came out five days later, retested me. It was already cleared from my system. And then they tested me every single, uh, once a week for a month straight. And it was completely clear, but they were like, well, because you had that micro dose in your system, even though you have these issues, like we completely understand, but we have to suspend you. And normally it's a two year suspension. But because you came forward, we're going to give you a retroactive suspension. And I was like, 
because I came forward because I'm trying to get myself healthy. So basically what you're telling me is being a professional athlete, like I can't be healthy. And they're like, yeah, I mean, it's on the banned substance list. So it was really frustrating. Like there's only so much argument you can do. And it was, you know, they were like, you can get a lawyer and you can take it to court and do everything. But if you happen to lose, then USADA can give you whatever they want. So then they would probably give you like a 15 month suspension. So I was like, this ain't even worth it. Like, and then on top of that, it can take six months to even be reviewed and get to where we needed to get. So it was just like delaying time even to fight against it. So I was just like, whatever. I took the six month suspension. Um, I stayed off the meds and I hired a nutritionist who broke my body down completely. And basically we've been trying to balancing through, uh, balance my thyroid and everything in my body through just straight nutrition. Um, but that's what happened. Like I, it's the dumbest thing ever. And then like, it was just like, well, you thought I was going to announce this, so you might want to get ahead of it. So then I had to go put this whole statement out and it was just like, this is crap. It seems like that's every story from USADA. It's never like he did steroids. That's it. It doesn't make sense. It really does not make any sense. Like I said, I mean, I've spoken to so many athletes and same thing happens. Like we were supposed to have this exemption program, but nobody gets the exemption. Everybody gets suspended for stuff. Yeah. And then of course you have the world who makes all these assumptions. And then it's just like, oh, you're a doper. Oh, you're doing this. Oh, you're doing that. And it's like, you guys are so naive to what's even going on. Like you have no idea what this medication even is. You have no idea to the backstory of everything. And so it's just really frustrating other stuff that gets thrown on our plates because of the stuff that we're trying to do for ourselves as individuals. Right. That's like, I talked to uh, Courtney Casey before and she got a USADA suspension, but I think it got overturned and like MMA junkie came out and trashed her and this and that. And there's never any apology either. There's never, you know, she didn't get, she didn't do anything wrong. Like we were screwed up. Like, I think yep. that's, what's crazy about it. You got, I, yeah. I think with athletes, you guys are treated like differently than human beings. You know what I mean? There's such an expectation. I think people forget that at the end of the day, we are human beings. Right. Like we just happen to be super passionate and super talented about something. And it's taken us to the highest platform. But at the end of the day, like we're individuals, we still have feelings, like we still have health that we got to take care of. We're in a sport where we're constantly fluctuating our bodies. Like we have our own individual struggles, but then just because people see something or whatever, like they just bash and that's what the world is. I mean, it's a competitive thing and whatnot, but it goes a lot deeper than that. Right. Um, now this question I ask everyone, and hopefully you give me a good answer because I get a lot of generic ones after your weight cut. And after the fight, everything's done. Is there like something you go to? You're like, I need some booze. I need some pizza. I need something. Um, I love to go to a Brazilian steakhouse. I want all, yeah. I'm like, give me all the the meat. And then on top of that, like Brazilian meat is really salty. So it works out perfect. And then I do a sugar dough as well. So I just kind of like alternate between like, maple syrup, pineapples, watermelon, just consistently honey. And so it's like steak and sugar. Well, finally, because again, Courtney Casey, I think she said she eats like chicken and rice after. So um, no, I've had weeks leading up to it. That's the last thing I want after that. Now I asked, I asked other fighters this when you're weight cutting, it's got to suck. First off, it can't be fun. 
is there like certain things you do? What's a guilty pleasure you do? Do you watch like shitty TV shows or something or? Yeah. I torture myself with the food channel, like an idiot. Like I've heard that a lot. It's crazy though, because like now I've learned that like I watch the food channel and yeah, it looks good, but in reality, I'm more thirsty than anything. So I could be watching the food channel with all this delicious food, but if like Tisha or my coaches are sitting next to me and they're just gulping down something like, Oh, I'm about to fight a fight before I even fight an actual fight. Cause it makes me so mad. I get that. I, somebody, I forgot. Somebody said something where like during the pandemic, I think it was Bellator fighter, Jessica Mille. She told me she like her, her boyfriend's like a DJ and they'll have like little like dance parties, which was kind of funny. So that was interesting. What's next for Raquel Pennington? You just fought. So when do you look to get back to the octagon? I mean, you seem healthier than you've been in a long time. Oh yeah, definitely healthier. Um, I felt great. I uh, wanted to get back in there like yesterday, but I mean, I don't know. I have been speaking with the matchmaker and trying to figure something out right now. The women ranked above me. That's another thing that I'm like frustrated about. Like the rankings to me don't matter. No, they're a joke. Yeah. But when you're trying to climb, they quote unquote matter, which is right. really frustrating. So right now everybody ranked above me is tied up with a fight. Um, I've already fought in two chicks ranked behind me before I went on to that medical suspension, I was ranked four and then I got taken out and they told me when I came back, they would put me back in where I was at, but they put me back in as 10. Now I'm seven yeah. and they offered me, uh, like someone within top 15 again, it was just like, I'm not the gatekeeper to the top 10 in the 135. Like I'm trying to climb here. So I'm going to wait for these first fights um, with the girls ranked above me and hopefully get the winner of one of those. That's kind of funny. You say that. Cause I felt like that's what the Macy chase on fight was. You you're a gatekeeper and then you go out and finish it. Yeah. You know, I'm thankful for Macy stepping up to the plate and stuff um, since I was supposed to fight Julia, but it was just right. like, hey, Julia and then Macy um you know I'd love to fight Ketlin I think it would be a great fight um it's a good fight yeah I think it'd be a really good fight and so I was originally asking for that but then they said Holly's not injured anymore so got to kind of go back to the drawing board with things and it's just it's irritating right now now is that your goal to get back to the title shot absolutely I would love to do it this year I would love to fight one fight um, and then as long as I'm healthy, immediately turn around, fight another fight. And before 2022 is up, make a title run. Now, what did you think of that Pena beating Nunez? Um, you know, I mean, it's kind of one of those things to where I think it stirred the division, uh, emotionally. And I say that because it's kind of like when Ronda was the reigning champion, like, I think people forget that it's just another female and it plays a mental part. And so like, I think a lot of the girls before they fought them have been beaten before even walking into the octagon. So I think in that aspect, it showed like, Oh, she can be, be beaten. Cause Amanda has been extremely successful. Um, you know, after I fought her, I was just like, obviously I wanted to get back there and then I wanted to be completely healthy with my body and everything else. Um, so I can bring the best version of me and I've broken down Amanda and I even made the comment, that I was like, you know, if Juliana gets a man to fight in that emotional state of mind or takes her into deep waters, like it's going to change the game. And knowing Juliana from the ultimate fighter, like she has a grit to her. 
So as much as I didn't want Juliana to win the fight, um, I had a feeling she was going to win the fight. And so, I mean, I was really hoping she wouldn't. So I bet my coaches a thousand pushups. They're like, oh, 25 pushups. And I was like, no, a thousand pushups. And man, now I'm a thousand pushups in debt. I got to start paying them off. <laughs> well, now I got to ask the question why you didn't want Juliana to win the fight. You know, that stems back to 2013, just being on the ultimate fighter with her. Like, you know, everybody's like, oh, you, the whole house bullied Juliana and all this other stuff. Like, it's just what TV lets you see. But in reality, like, I, were people picking on Juliana in the house? Yeah. I am the type of person that I've always, I grew up, like you're being picked on. Like I'm the person that's going to hang out with you. Like, that's just the way I was raised. And so I didn't know Juliana and I started trying to talk to her because legit nobody in the house was trying to talk to her and they were just rude. And so, you know, that has to be awkward. You're living with all these other people. So I would try to talk to her. Like I would try to hang out with her and everything else. And it's just kind of one of those things to where you come across people and your personality types don't match and that's perfectly fine but it's like you know keep your space and I'll keep mine and it got to that point like she's just a unique individual in her own way we're just very different and I just got kind of really tired of the crap and then the way she hypes herself up for fights is uh it's really interesting she like it's almost like she does like reverse psychology on herself so instead of like oh I'm gonna kick this person's butt it's more like they're gonna kick my butt and it was just like this whole thing and it was just very different. And then, you know, they wanted us to do some work in the gym together and we started working and, um, I don't know, she just took it to a new level. So we started brawling and they had to rip us apart. And it was just kind of one of those things where it was just, I figured in the off fighter, we would match up for the finale, but I had a different journey. And so I've always wanted to fight her and like, she just won't fight me. And then she was injured for forever. And then she sits on the sidelines and then she comes back and then she's just yapping it up and whatever else. And then now she's the world champion and stuff. So at some point, hopefully we align here, but I mean, it was just kind of one of those things to where living together, like she just got under my skin. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta happen because it's close quarters. So how many people are in that house? What's there like? Uh, there were 16 of us. Nope. Nope. Forget that. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, there was eight dudes and eight girls. It was it was uh interesting. What was at least with that being said, like at least we had a balance with the guys. Cause I think I think they expected something so different having females in the house for the very first time, because my season was that. But then when Tisha's season happened on Tough 20 and it was all females, like they haven't done one of those since that. That freaking season, like I was just like, I kept fast forwarding because I was like, just show me the fights. Right. There was so much drama in that season. Um, speaking of Tisha, just to let you know, I don't know why I recently watched this fight. It, like, I have the tendency to just go on like these YouTube deep dives. I just watched a fight with her and Wei Lee. Mm-hmm. That fight was way closer than I remembered it. Yeah, it was Personally, a close fight. I thought Tisha could have won that fight. Like, if they gave it to her, I don't think anybody should have said anything. Tisha. And I'm not just saying this because of like our relationship and stuff. Like I've known Tisha since 2012. Like she made her pro debut on the Invicta card that I was fighting on. Like we've always been friends and stuff, but as a fellow athlete, like Tisha is just one extremely talented chick. Like she is so talented. And honestly, like it's up here for her. Who they put in front of her, like she can be. 
it, she just needs to make it up in her mind. And, you know, she just, she's been super successful for herself. And then when she started going on like her four fight skid, like it was just, she was having a hard time outside of things. Like there was a lot of stuff in her personal life with things that really played a part up here. And, you know, that fight with um, Whaley was one of those. And it was just like, I lost my voice that night because I was just screaming at her. Like I, my family went to the fight. Um, I wasn't in her corner that night. So we were sitting there and we were supporting her and I just jumped over the rails and I went straight up to the octagon and was just screaming at her. Cause it was just like, come on, like you can beat this chick and she just needed to turn it up, but she was just holding herself back. And you know, every athlete has those, we have, all of us have those fights, but, uh, yeah, she, it was such a close fight. And, you know, I, I honestly say like, if they run it back, like Tisha will win the next time around. Yeah. I mean, Rose has shown that she's beatable. So. Oh yeah. Rose yeah. is another one, man. She's that girl's see, here's the thing. I like you, we talked about like people shit talking. I think someone like Rose, she's good for the sport. She's just, she, I don't obviously know her personally, but she seems like just a good human being. She is. Rose is so chill. Like she's just like, she's a very genuine person. She's just passionate about what she does and the way she feels in life. And she's, she is a good person. Like she's super chill, super mellow. Like, it is like, you know, it's one of those things to where, you know, she's that humble champion. Like she now knows at this point, like that's what she deserves and she worked hard for it and she's ready to be that champion in which she is. And, um, but it doesn't like change her as a person. Like she's just consistently grateful. Right. Like you said, she finally knows she deserves to be it. Cause didn't she say something about when she lost the belt to Andrade, like she didn't want to be the champion. Yeah. Um, so I mean, all train together and stuff and whatnot. Tisha's actually in Minnesota with her now training, but, uh, she, she did go through that, you know, and she was just like, I wasn't ready. Like there was so much pressure, all kinds of different things. And I remember sitting in the gym, we were just having a conversation and it was almost after once she lost, like she had a, it was a relief for her and most people wouldn't understand why, but you know, I mean, being a world champion, there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that and just being a professional athlete in general. So it's a lot to deal with. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of growing to do still and have to be in a place where they really are ready, ready mentally, physically, and emotionally. And, um, now Rose is definitely at that place in her life. But before that, like she, there was just so much pressure, like it was overwhelming her. Okay. I got two more questions that I asked. Are you one of those fighters who doesn't watch fights? Uh, like, what do like, you like you're just not, you're not fighting, general? huh? Like just watch them in general or watch? Yeah. Just like, watch them in general. Oh no, I watch the fights. Okay. Um, yeah, my family's like really gotten into it since both Tisha and I are in it. So usually we get together on the weekends when the fights are on and which is pretty much every weekend now. Right. And we just watch it as a family and stuff. Um, yeah, no, I watch them. Especially okay. if we like girls are going to be on the card. We're always watching the females. Right. Now I got my incoming generic question. I don't know if you even have an answer. Favorite fight of all time. Favorite fight of all time. Actually, I would say the one that stands out the most to me that like I can respect till the end of time uh, was Joanna versus Whaley. Yeah, I oof. that was a phenomenal fight. That was a war. Yeah. 
Um, so that would be mine. Well, this was awesome. I appreciate you coming on. You're more than welcome to come on whenever you want. Um, you said Tisha's training with Rose. Tell them they can come on whenever they want. Make sure you tell them how cool I was. You can cool. lie if you want. <laughs> All right, Raquel, well, thanks a lot. Hopefully you feel better. It was uh, good Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. Yeah, I told you that was a fucking awesome interview, dude. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Raquel is so fucking nice, dude. Um, I'd love to have Tisha on here, too. She seems, like, awesome. I'd love to talk to Tisha, but I know Tisha's battled depression before. Uh, she's I'm pretty sure she's been pretty open about it. She seems like a real interesting person to talk to. Raquel was so fucking interesting. Hearing about her injuries and how she broke her back, which is fucking insane that she broke her back, and then she was like, I'm going to be an MMA fighter. But thank you again to Raquel. So awesome to have her on. Um, I, I said, easily the biggest guest I've ever had on here. I'll have her on anytime she wants to come on. But let's get to some UFC news. Khabib came out, kind of dogged Juliana Pena's win against um, Amanda Nunes. Didn't like that, dude. Like, I think he said something along the lines of, this shows you what the state of MMA, women's MMA is. Like, dude, can't you let the fucking girl have her goddamn moment, dude? Like, first you come out talking about how ring girls are useless. Like, I understand it's all about, like, uh, like where you grow up and your background. But Jesus, fuck, man. Like, I, I love Khabib. I think Khabib's great. And I think that's what... Uh, Pena said she was heartbroken after Khabib's comments. Eagle FC, he said, uh, I am like, here's what he said. He goes, I am like, we can watch Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes, but Juliana Pena is not like, hold up, not like the greatest or something like that. She just beat Amanda Nunes like on that day. We can watch not many good female fighters all around the world. There are like only five or six of them. Damn. That's fucking tough, dude. Like shit. And Pena literally says, I'm like, yeah, here it is. She said, I saw in the presser that they asked Khabib a question and he was just completely downgrading the whole win and everything like that. It totally broke my heart. She said, I was like, dude, you're breaking my heart, man. Like, I freaking love you. Like, seriously. She said, he must be best friends with Kayla Harrison or something. I don't know. Because he was like, if this is the top of the women's division, it's a joke. I mean, it wasn't very nice. Didn't appreciate it, Khabib. I don't blame her, dude. Like, She's coming off the biggest win of her career and arguably the biggest upset ever. Like, ever in women's MMA, maybe MMA in general. And for him to come out and just, like, dog her. I mean, I don't know Juliana. I'm not, I don't even know if she's, like, a good person. She might not be. She might be a shithead. I don't know. But, like, Jesus, man, like, calm down. Hold up. Sorry, I just got a text from my work. Give me one second. Okay, I'm back. Um. So, yeah, it's just like, dude, Khabib, just fucking chill out, man. God damn. Like, I don't know. Just let her have her fucking moment, man. There was no need for it, in my opinion. I still love Khabib. One of my favorite fighters of all time. Weird to say, because I've only seen, I don't know, 10 fights of his, maybe. It's not like I watched him on the Russian promotions. But, I don't know, man. Like, fucking chill out. His promotion just came out, Eagle FC. I don't know. It's okay. Tyron Sprung lost to Karatanov in the main event. 
Rashad Evans got his first win since like fucking I don't know nineteen eighty six. I honestly think it was since like two thousand eighteen. No, eighteen. Jesus Christ. I'm pretty sure it was since like I want to say two thousand thirteen. I want to say I could be wrong. One moment it was yeah two thousand thirteen when he beat Chael Sonnen. Damn. And he's been fucking beating these fights, dude, that he's lost. Like, it's been bad. But good for good for Rashad. He looked pretty good, and the dude he beat was, like, a sizable betting favorite. So good for Rashad. Um, uh, I don't know. It, it, Eagle FC might be something cool. Maybe a third promotion or something to watch on the weekend. I'm always looking to watch new mma fights uh because the ufc they've only been on once so far this fucking year so they'll be back this weekend i'll talk about that soon i don't know if any of you let's segue how you like this fucking segue from khabib to conor mcgregor he just posted a video recently of him like eating one of those strawberry shortcake ice cream bars which are fucking delicious by the way but he is fucking whacked out of his mind in this video I don't know if he's on drugs. I don't know if he's fucking wasted. But it's literally like a 30 second video of him sitting there eating an ice cream bar with his shirt off in bed just giggling like a child the whole time. What the fuck is going on? I don't know if that dude's like fucked up. If he's got fucking issues. Like I said, he might have been fucking high or drunk. He was something, dude. Like it was fucking wild. Like I said, he's literally sitting there giggling like a dog. Like a, like a child. And it's the fucking weirdest thing. And I hope to never have to watch it again. See what you people make me do. I have to watch shit like that for this show. Jeez. Like he's sitting there. And you know the Conor McGregor laugh. It was fucking weird. It was like. I watched this show called Your Mom's House. With Tom Segura and his wife. It was like when they deep dive into weird ass TikTok videos. That's what this was. It was like a weird guy on TikTok. Laying in bed. Eating an ice cream. Laughing, not saying words, like laughing the whole fucking time. Weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen him do. And that's a lot. Because Connor just, Son, Chael Sonnen might have said it best. He's just turning into a little rich fucking weirdo, dude. He is fucking off. Like something's wrong with him. Like I loved Connor's story at first where he like was on social assistance, I think they call it in Ireland. And now he's a billionaire, millionaire, whatever the fuck he is. And now he's just fucking off. Like way off. Let's talk about the UFC 270 main event again. Of course, whenever there's a fucking heavyweight fight, John Jones has got to fucking put his two cents in. John Jones says, "I'll fuck them all up, dude. Nobody fucking cares. I don't. I don't speak for the whole community, but nobody gives a shit anymore, John. If you're gonna fight, fucking fight. That's it. Either fight or stop talking. Like you're 34. I knew who's the last guy I fought. Was it the Reyes fight? <clears throat> I think it was. And what was that? Two years ago." Was it two years ago? Oh, last fight he fought was Dominic Ray. Oh, going on two years. This It's going to be two years on February 8th. His last fight was in 2020 against Dominic Reyes. I, I don't know, dude. Like, I think I think Francis Ngannou could beat John Jones, to be honest with you. Call me crazy, but right now, today, I fully think Francis Ngannou could beat John Jones. I have no problem saying that. I think, like I said, Ngannou showed us he's a different kind of animal with his wrestling. 
And John Jones could be good at, at wrestling. Y- you know, but like, shit, man. Like, I don't know. It's like Francis Ngannou is a beast. It, I don't. I don't know. I guess I don't know. I, John Jones hasn't fucking been dominant his last three fights. You know, last night he he knocked out Gustafson in 2018, and then before that it was the head kick knockout over uh, DC. And then before that it was decision win over Ovin Saint Prue. Decision went over Daniel Cormier. Decision went over Glover Teixeira. Decision went over Gustafson. And the Gustafson won a lot. I'd say the consensus of people thought he lost. And personally, I thought he lost the Dominic Reyes fight. John Jones, I, I don't call it ring rust, call it whatever you want. The guy fights once every fucking year. It's whatever. Like, honestly, who gives a shit at this point? Either fucking make the fight, either fight, make the fight, or just shut up. Maybe stop. Maybe fucking worry about yourself, dude. Because you're getting into enough fucking trouble for everybody. Fuck. Ugh. Jeremy Stevens, out of the UFC, signed with PFL. Another guy I never really fucking cared for. Decent fighter, I guess. Fun to watch. But, I don't know. I talked about him with uh, Courtney Casey before. And like she said, it, it was just a matter of time till the dude went... Got, got. You know what I mean? Hey... He doesn't have a great record. He's 28 and 19. And like she said, and he, he, at this point he had lost, he was winless since 2018 against his win against Josh Emmett. So since then he got TKO'd by uh, Aldo, the punch, uh, punched him right in the fucking stomach, dude, right in the liver, just knocked him down. Then he lost his beat. Then the no contest accidental eye poked to Yair. Then the decision loss to the Yair. Then the violent violent TKO elbow for my guy Calvin Cater. And then he lost to uh Matias Gamrat by submission. Like if that was any other fighter that hasn't been around for a hundred years like he has, he would have been gone a long time ago. I think he's like a sideshow. I think he talks about how he's like one of the most destructive fighters. I've never been the biggest fan of him. I mean, that's kind of what I am. I'm a fan. I'm not a fucking journalist, so I guess I could speak freely on that. I don't have to pick sides. I don't know, man. It's just fucking... I don't care that Jeremy Stevens is gone. What's he, a Bantamweight, I think? A Bantamweight? We don't... Trust me, they do not need Jeremy Stevens at Bantamweight. Uh, He's competing at lightweight for the PFL. I don't know, PFL, uh, it seems like every guy they sign from the UFC just doesn't work out. Anthony Pettis, I loved. I love Anthony Pettis, man. Love Anthony Pettis, but obviously he hasn't been the best acquisition in the world for the PFL. I don't. Uh, has he won a fight in the PFL? Even you know, it just is what it is, man. I love Pettis. I hope he gets back on the right track, but I don't think he's won a fight in the PFL. I. I Call me wrong, which I might be. I am wrong a lot. But, yeah. 0-2 in the PFL. Lost to Clay Collard. Lost to Raush Manifo. Man of... Sorry. Raush Manifio. Jeepers. I gotta pronunciate shit. And, you know, they their big acquisition. Another one. Roy McDonald. Signed from Bellator. 0-2. Lost to Glayson Tebow and lost to Ray Cooper the third. 
And those are, those are, I mean, more notable losses, which is a weird thing to say because everybody knows who Gleason Tebow is. Everybody knows who Ray Cooper is. Ray Cooper won the welterweight finals in the PFL. I'd love to see that dude in the UFC sooner rather than later because welterweight's kind of dwindling right now with what Kamaru Usman's doing. But PFL's coming up kind of flat for me. I, I watch them, but... All their big-time signings, quote-unquote, haven't really done much. Let's go to the lighter side of MMA. Fucking Tai Tuivasa, man. Is this guy not the best? Is this guy not the best? Like, And now he's fighting Derek Lewis, one of the best? Like, It came out that he accepted the Derek Lewis fight as he said he was on the piss. Which means he was wasted. Said he was blind drunk. Can you fucking imagine... Taking a fight against Derek Lewis being wasted and waking up the next day, like, yep, I guess. But, you know, I'm not a professional fighter. So I'm just thinking about it as a normal human being being like, oh shit, I'm fighting Derek Lewis. This is going to be a fight. I don't care who wins, man. I love both of those guys. They're both great for the fucking sport. Derek Lewis is hilarious. Taitu Ivas is hilarious, you know. I don't know, man. I I can't wait. To be honest with you, I I think I think it's gonna be a banger. That's definitely not going fucking three rounds. That's for sure. Um, UFC two seventy one. I believe it's is it next weekend? No, that can't be right, can it? Sorry, I'm reading right now. Is it is it next weekend? It can't be coming up that quick, can it? Son of a bitch, it is. February 12th. I am full-on excited about that fight card. I'll talk more about it probably next week if I do get uh, another interview. I, I got a couple in the wing, um, couple in the queue right now waiting to get done. Eddie George is coming back on. Obviously, my fucking guy, Eddie. Um, should be a good time, man. Eddie's my boy. I could talk to that guy all fucking day. All fucking day. UFC's got another fight night coming up this weekend. Jack Romance is against that psychopath, Sean Strickland. Uh, outside of that, not really many names on the card again. You got, you know, you got Sam Alvey, who I fucking love. Um, other than that, it's whatever. I think the Hermanson fight and Sean Strickland's really going to, I don't know. That's it, middleweight? I'm bad at this. Middleweight? Adesanya needs new people. Why not, you know? And Hermanson's been, I feel like, looking for that big fucking win for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just kind of like, it's almost like every time he gets the big spotlight, he doesn't win. <clears throat> like, the fight against Jared Cannonier was supposed to propel him, and he lost. But then, you know, he beat Calvin Gaslam, but then he lost a decision to Marvin Vittori, and I'm pretty sure Vittori took that fight on short notice. Then he beat Edmund Shabazian. You know, Hermanson's a fucking beast. But Sean Strickland has been on a fucking tear lately. An absolute tear. Hermanson's sixth in the middleweight division. I want to say Strickland is ninth. Is he ninth? Seventh. Uh, he's seventh in the middleweight division. Strickland's on a five-fight winning streak. Uh, you know, Nordin Talib, Jack Marshman, Brendan Allen, Christoph Jocko, and Uriah Hall. It's going to be a banger. It's going to be a classic. It's probably going to go five rounds because... Despite Strickland being a great boxer, he doesn't finish a lot of his fights. Hermanson does every once in a while, but it's going to be a good fight card. I'll definitely tune in, especially with all the goddamn snow we're about to get here. I ain't going anywhere this weekend. 
I'm staying in my house. I'm watching fights. I'm watching all the fights. But that's it for me this week. Episode number 13 of From the Red Corner is brought to you by Gallon Gear. Go to gallongear.com. Get yourself a gallon jug, half gallon. Get yourself a sleeve for it too, dude. You don't want to be the guy who gets caught naked without a sleeve on your jugs. Um, don't be that douchebag who walks around the gym with a Poland Springs bottle, sometimes me. Um, just go to gallongear.com. Use the promo code TAILGATE at checkout. Get 20% off your first purchase. Gallongear.com, promo code TAILGATE. 20% off your first purchase. Can't beat that shit. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. From the Red Corner, episode 14. I might have just said 13 because I'm an idiot. I might have. I'm not sure. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great fucking weekend.